Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to... What was this called again? Far From Home. A podcast about two Asian Canadians who moved pretty far from home. Alright, it's been two and a bit more weeks since we've last recorded a podcast. I feel like I don't remember how to do this anymore. Did you miss me, Alex? I know you missed me. I was, you know, it was literally me trying to schedule you for like two weeks straight saying, Hey Jason, are you free Monday night? Hey Jason, are you free Tuesday night? And you kept avoiding me. You know, I'm a popular guy. I got things to do. People booking my schedule. This this podcast is going to fail now. Our friendship is a failure. <laughs> you know, everything's All going downhill. because you couldn't do a podcast for a week. Yeah. I was actually on vacation. Hence why we couldn't record last week. Oh yeah, I forgot that's why you didn't. That's yeah. why you were busy. I think that's a fair excuse. And you didn't, you only brought a backpack for your week-long trip, which I don't agree with. Why? That's all I need is a backpack. No, I feel like a backpack only fulfills like a weekend trip. If it's more than three or four days, you have to bring a carry-on. Otherwise, you're just like limiting yourself. Well, what do you mean carry-on? I went on a train. <laughs> There's no you know, carry-on. You know what you weren't carrying in your backpack? A microphone. Okay, fuck you. You read <laughs> <Got> my mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's what yeah. you wanted. I mean, okay, wait. Now you have to be honest. There are points where you're like... I could I could record a podcast right now. And I was like, if only you brought your microphone. There were some days I wouldn't have yeah. minded yeah. to record a podcast. Yeah. All right, Jason, what's the topic for today? So the topic for today is something which I feel like we probably should have just addressed a long time ago. But it's it is living in Asia. What 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 about living in Asia? <laughs> what, what do you want me to say? I guess the main question which I want to have answered in this podcast is as we both moved to Asia from Canada, yeah. um, to first or to talk a little about the differences in life and what we kind of like better in each of the places, mm. um, but ultimately to answer the question, like, do you think you're happier living here in Asia than you would be in Canada? Okay. I'll start this with a throwback to last episode where 10-point scale, okay? Happiness okay. in Canada. Think back. It's been a long time. We've been... <sighs> okay. You've been far for pretty long. Yeah. Get it? Far? Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> From home. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors which go into how happy you are in a certain place, but... Yeah. I probably would have given myself, I don't know, six, seven unhappiness i was in toronto i was in the same city as you it's only oh, yeah. a six or a seven uh maybe a five then you were there oh god it's because this podcast didn't start yet <laughs> um i'd say about a Eight. seven and yeah, a half you're always have, one point happier than I, me alex exactly just a That's little what you bit do. above you I ask me to. to answer first and then you're just like i'm a bit happier than you yeah i feel bad that's how it goes <laughs> yeah um in singapore i feel like i am a lifestyle wise i would say like eight and a half or nine wow. very very easily wow yeah. overall it's, happy. it's not as high just because my girlfriend's part of the equation and she's Ooh. not living in asia with me so Ooh. yeah a bit it's lower a, than that it's a one on that scale the girlfriend scale yeah. The girlfriend in Asia scale. 
I think there's a lot more maybe variance in the day-to-day of how I feel about it, but overall, yeah. quite happy. Um, having been in school here for a little bit, starting work, then really getting more into work, working for longer, and of course being stuck at home, I think things have really varied a lot. Yeah. Um, I think there were many times living here where I could have easily said an eight or nine. And oh, wow, that's high. It's high. It's higher than you, huh? Wow. One-upping me. (laughs) (laughs) There's also, like, a lot of times where, like, things can get pretty bad, I feel, and I'd give it a four or five, less than I would in Canada. Can you believe that? Give us, like, a sneak peek on why four or five, because that's, like, a... That's a low number. Um, Actually, that is quite a low number. But right now, being here in Japan, mm-hmm. um, and at least during the work days, being locked at home, yeah. Um, to be honest, I'd probably rather be at home in Canada if I'm just at home all day. Is it like proximity to your family, you would say? I think partially at this point, um, especially because I was supposed to have seen them in the summer and I'm supposed to Mm. see them in the winter. I don't even know if that's going to happen at this point. Yeah. Um, So I guess like I'm missing them more than usual, plus being locked in this small jail cell, jail cell sized room um, Mm. compared to if I was in Canada, even if I was stuck at home at this like quite a large house and housing is just bigger in general yeah yeah um and yeah it's it's, i think there's also sometimes where in japan especially it can feel quite isolating if i can't see my friends for Mm. a while yeah so right now i can see my friends but we tend to meet a lot less often than we would have during um pre-covid because we all would have been in our offices and we can easily say hey i want to get dinner yeah after works Go downstairs for a drink. Yeah, with colleagues so and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for myself, at least, living in Japan, what those, th- what those things meant to me were opportunities to speak English with those oh, people. Oh, to fit in. Well, to, <laughs> to, to just... Okay. Do, 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 shut up. Yeah. <laughs> to speak to people sort of effortlessly. And if I'm just here at home, obviously, I, I can talk to people on the computer. That's a bit different. You can different. talk to me. I'm yes, always Alex. here. Okay, Jason. I know you remind me of that every day, Alex. All right, thanks. But like, just being able to go outside and have effort, like effortless conversations. Not that I'm talking to people actively yeah. when I go out, um, but not have to worry about any communication barriers at the grocery store with staff. You love correctly communicating with the subway uh, person helping you make your sandwich, right? That's like high <laughs> on your, your your list of needs to 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 meet. It's it's just something very nice to be able to do and have and yeah definitely a disadvantage of myself living here yeah so I think there there's a few things to that contribute to overall happiness right and I I guess I'm really generalizing things but one okay. of them would be social interaction which you've covered a lot of like yeah. you were saying how meeting up with coworkers is easier um, just overall communication with people that. Are like you is yep. easier that way too another would be just overall lifestyle and quality of life yeah right yeah um okay before that maybe i should talk a little bit about my social interaction in singapore 
I'm quite blessed to have my brother in Singapore, and especially because we live in such close proximity, it's pretty easy for me to have a 10 minute walk over and then like say hi to him or get dinner with him for hot pot or something. Hmm. So that's nice. And I think happiness level, happiness wise, it's gone, it's fluctuated because my friend group in Singapore has like gone up and then gone down and then because of COVID gone down, but then um, stage two where you can meet each other again. And then my friend group like yeah. went up again. Yeah. So it's, it's a roller coaster. Um, but we both have like a close group of friends in Toronto that are hopefully listening, but that we don't get to see that often, especially because of COVID, right? As in we can't go back to Canada right now at all. Yeah, and it's kind of lowered our happiness scale as well. Yeah. So for quality of life, um, Tokyo is damn good, I have to say. Thank you. I agree. The bathrooms, the 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 toilet washes your ass for you. It does. You know, it heats it for you. It does. It does. You can just sit on there all day getting your butt cleaned. I I looked forward to like taking a dump in Japan. Not oh, gonna yeah? lie. Is yeah. on your to do list while here. I mean, hopefully it's on my to do list when I go anywhere. But yes, yes, Japan. Well, I don't know how often you take dumps. You're only here for a day. Last time you came. Okay, that's true. But I did take a dump in the airport. Okay. Just as good. Beautiful. I was worried the quality might be no. lower than normal because of the airport, but no. No, they make sure it's top quality yeah. toilets at the airport. Yeah. Okay, other than toilets, how how's, how's Japan? Quality of life-wise? Yeah. I think for myself as a young person living in the city itself, like I would argue that quality of life in Tokyo is almost unmatched by any city at least that i can imagine any city are you forgetting a certain city that's Start- also a st- city state hmm. located at the south peninsula of the malaya strait um yeah i don't know what it's actually called but founded yeah. in 1960 oh are you gonna throw fake facts seven okay you're probably right i don't know um i i definitely think Tokyo and Singapore are quite comparable in many ways, Mm. um, both having a very high quality of life. But I'd have to give it to Tokyo because of the toilets. That's just the simple (sighs) answer. That's true. But I do think both both have, for example, enormous food options um, Mm. and overall high quality of food. Yeah. I might etch out Tokyo a bit higher in the sense for average food quality. And then money comes into play, and then Singapore uh, takes it by far. I think if you want if you want the cheap meals, then yes. Um, and what's better than cheap meals, guys? Singapore wins for sure. But if you want those two hundred dollar meals, you know. Oh my goodness! I don't think there's any being Tokyo. Yeah, we pay by shirt. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you take off your, your shirt to like right in the restaurant. Here you go. There you it. go. The rest is for your tips. Bartering. Okay. Um, both both cities have very good public transportation. Like, there's absolutely no need for a car. Um, you could see anyone and go anywhere very quickly. I mean, that's like a plus and a minus, right? Like, owning a car in Asia, okay, well, in Japan and in Singapore, is so much more expensive than in Canada. Yeah. And certain people, <clears throat> like, like me... Uh, enjoy owning a car and driving it almost every day. Okay, then it can be a minus. 
Yeah. For myself, I I don't see any positives to owning a car. Yeah. Um, I agree with you because, like, Tokyo and Singapore, the government really thinks about the planning of the city. Yeah. So you don't end up having a um, subway station in the middle of nowhere with no shops around it, no housing around it, nothing, and it's just, like, an empty subway station. And, yeah, like... In Singapore, what ends up happening is that there are different, uh, what do you call them? I guess neighborhoods throughout. Like, yeah. I think there are 10 or 15 of them and they're actually named. And the government has put so much planning into it that it's made it so you can you can live off um, busing in a 15-minute like radius of anywhere yeah. in that area. And you can get all your shops, you can get all your grocery stores, get all your just consumer products, that kind of thing. Ultimately, yeah, it, it all comes down to the good zoning laws that Asia mm. has implemented. And I think Europe has done as well, where housing and business are not completely separate. Whereas in North America, you'll have suburbs where it's just houses and you cannot yeah. walk to anything. Yeah. Whereas here, it's all intertwined and you can just walk five minutes to the nearest grocery store anytime. Yeah, zoning law is actually so important, I realized. Especially yeah. after watching that... Um, one youtube video and then also in singapore i get to see a lot of the taxpayers money um materializing in actual benefits yeah like i see that roads are built quickly those five percent taxes you pay those five percent taxes i pay they they support like millions of singaporeans and permanent residences in a not free public housing but extremely discounted housing Yep. And I just think it's insane that they can they can accomplish so much with such low taxes. And compared to it's funny because I compare it to the Southeast Asian friends I have. I was like, hey man, what where, where does the tax go in like Indonesia and Vietnam? And my friends just like <laughs> shake their head. They're like, I don't know. <laughs> I right don't into know. the minister's pocket. <laughs> exactly. But in, in Toronto, you see it going funding like political wars and just a lot of conflicts that end up not resolving and then end up there's a lot of waste and yeah uh, that's that's it there's a lot North of American waste. government yeah yeah i'm looking at you 407 but yes <laughs> yes um shit just gets done in singapore yeah. uh something that was i don't know if it was installed recently but something near my neighborhood this is one big uh crosswalk right and there's a little spot where you can tap your senior citizen card yeah, I've seen and it this. will extend extends the time the um the, the walking, walking time. Man. Yeah, and I was just like, oh my god, mind blown. This is like living in 2030 right now. This <laughs> is so cool. And I was just thinking, like, man, how long would it take for Toronto to implement something even minutely similar? Probably like it would 20, take 30 them years. 20 years, and then they'll fuck it up, and yeah, it'll be done half as well. <laughs> And then it'll be like I'm a toll at... to make the walking man longer. <laughs> oh, I'm 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 thinking of Presto in Toronto, just how much of oh a my disaster. God. Yeah. So for the listeners, Presto was the IC tap cards on the transit. Yeah. And it was just a train wreck of implementation. And like you could you would update your card, it wouldn't update the balance for 24 hours. You tap it, it wouldn't show oh, yeah. it properly. You can't see your balance, so you don't know when you run out. Oh. There weren't enough there weren't like refilling, whatever they're called, fill up stations at most of the stations. So you yep. could get stranded with your card. Yep. Also, the readers were just 
absolutely yeah. like broken all you the time. You need to take it out of your wallet. It couldn't go through your wallet. You need to like hold it there and slap yeah. it for a few seconds. And in comparison, the, there's one subway line in Singapore. It's called the Circle Line. And it, start, yeah. it started, I don't know, like 1950s or sorry, maybe later, it's, like it's 1980s. It's the Great Monorail? No, it's, I mean, it's one of the first lines in Singapore, I believe. And it was called the Circle Line from day one. Because oh, because they it was knew meant to be a circle. It was meant to be yes, a circle. I've heard. I know this one. It's, it's 2020 right now. They're not going to finish the circle until 2024, I yeah. think. And so they've had the insight to name it the circle line because they know that the infrastructure is going to need to yeah. serve so many people across Singapore that it needs to be a circle. You can you can look on the somewhere online. It's like you, the Singapore government has a plan for 2050, 2060 of what will be built. Yeah. In terms of subway lines. Yeah. And then meanwhile, in Canada, you're kind of just looking like, all right, what can we accomplish this year, guys? What can yeah. we do? I think the most surprising thing for me I saw in Singapore um, yeah. regarding transit was I was on a bus and there's a poster saying that something like, oh, the Transportation Bureau had a surplus last year. Mm. So bus fares will be reduced by three cents this oh, year. I actually remember and that I was too. Like, what? Like fares can be reduced? <laughs> We're giving back, guys. Look at my 5% taxpayer money. Just the, like going back to the world. The only thing I've ever seen in Canada was fares go up 25 cents a year. Yeah. Nonstop. And to the point where, I don't know, transit in Toronto is just so expensive. You need to take one bus or go like two subway stations. It costs $3 or it costs three fifty. The single fare system. Yeah. That's. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it's what I think it's the only major city in the world without um, variable pricing. Actually, I mean, this episode has just turned into us shitting on oh, the shit. Toronto uh, public transit transit infrastructure, which <laughs> we could it, make a whole podcast about that. We could, and I think the reason we're bringing this up so much is because we've had so many gripes with the Toronto public transit um, infrastructure in general. Yeah. I, I do think that is actually the number one factor keeping me out of Toronto and number one thing making me happier to live here than Toronto is not having to deal with the transit plus the great quality of transit in Asia. Yeah. All right. We've we've ranted about the public transit system enough. How about no, we food? Haven't. No, oh, we, we oh. have to move on to this topic. We can't have an entire <laughs> okay. episode about public <laughs> transit. Public transit rant. Food. Food in Tokyo? Food in Tokyo. Um, I haven't been to Europe. I'll say that first. But Same. We're uncultured. But yeah. Yes. My personal feeling is actually that the average food quality in Japan is probably the best in the world from what I can imagine. Like if you were to just wow. pick any restaurant at random and go in, um, you'd almost always pretty much get really good food and i would say that it's probably better than on average than almost anywhere else in the world but is that fun don't you want to just have like once no. in a while you go somewhere and the food is shit and you no. laugh with your friends no okay. no <laughs> Fine. <That> sounds terrible <laughs> how about I, you go somewhere with your friends and the food is good i mean yeah that's that's good too what I like about Japan is just the family restaurants that you can go to. Uh, yeah. Because it's so um, open to every, I don't know what you call it, like... Demographic? Yeah, demographic. And 
but Alex, they're family restaurants. You can't go alone. No, but like people go to family restaurants alone all the time. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they have cool soft drinks, they have hamburgers, um, <laughs> all the th- like omurice, the all the things that you want from Japan. Hamburgers. I mean, not hamburgers, like the 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 hamburg steaks. Oh, the hamburger. The the hamburger. I don't I don't know. Yeah. The like patty. That. And it's yeah. and it's affordable. It's quite, oh, yeah. quite cheap. I I do think for the average person, um, like you said, food is affordable and it's really good. Though I would probably say the same thing about Singapore. Yeah, I think the hawker centers are quite consistent. I would say, like you would never go to a stall and be like, "Wow, that tasted like garbage." Yeah, because I think the government has a lot of standardization in place actually in Singapore. Yeah, yeah, and then also like hawker stalls in general they kind of have their own like standard in that they can't suck otherwise they'll pretty much go out of business very quickly because you're right next to 99 other better options if you're not good you're you're dead yeah yeah and so the good thing about singapore is often the price as in you want a bowl of laksa the average laksa costs maybe four dollars and twenty cents yeah and it's often a pretty decent bowl of laksa, if you yeah. like laksa. And then, yeah, things like economy rice, it's such a staple because you get to pick which dishes you want in your meal. Oh, yeah, the good old so, poverty rice. Yeah. If you want expat food, like food outside of, from outside of Singapore, it does exist. But I will yeah. caveat that it's expensive and usually the portions kind of suck. So I've been yeah. wanting like good Mexican food for a while. Oh no. And it's kind of what happens when I go back to Canada. I I make a beeline for burrito boys or like Chipotle <laughs> right when I get back to Toronto. Because <laughs> it, it doesn't really exist in Singapore, at least not the way that I imagine it. Okay. You'll get like a burrito that's the size of like a spring roll. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same in. Yeah, not actually, but you know. Very tiny burritos. Yeah. And so yeah, you can find like Euros or like falafel or shawarma. Okay, I'm only naming Middle Eastern food, but you, like <laughs> you, you know what I mean. It's it's not too hard to find expat food in Singapore. Yeah, I think that's a red flag for Tokyo in that you can't find authentic expat food. You can only find the Japaneseified versions of those expat foods. I can see what you mean, and I guess it's because for one thing, there's less expats here to actually eat the food and therefore demand authentic expat food so in the market where 99 percent of people are japanese people are going to have to cater taste towards japanese tastes Mm. um but that being said like i think like the french and italian food you find here is really good even if it is slightly japaneseified whatever the word is okay that's just my opinion that it's really good still yeah, yeah. I'd say that my number one complaint about food in Japan is the price of fruit. Mm. Fruit is insanely expensive in Japan. Yeah. And the good thing is that it's pretty much always super, super high quality. So, like, anything you find here is equivalent to, like, the best fruit on the shelf in Canada. Yeah. But it all costs at least twice as much if not more for example i bought a Mm. container of grapes today i don't know how much they weighed like a pound or two 
Yeah, and they costed maybe $12 just for those grapes. Wow. So they're very good, but very yeah. expensive. I feel like when you say they're the best quality on the shelf, that's an understatement. I would say that like when some random city receives their fruits, their first, the best ones are picked away and sent to Japan first. And then that's... the rest are put on the shelf. Because you don't see them as high quality as you do in Japan. Like they literally don't yeah. exist. Yeah. They just don't exist. That's, that's actually what happens sometimes. Um, my mom who worked in the food industry said that oh. when they pick produce in say Mexico or Colombia, like the best quality goes straight to Japan and it gets sold for twice as much, obviously. Your mom goes over to the to the <laughs> to the grocers. These are mine, okay? They're for my people. <laughs> goes to Colombia. Yeah. Give me these fruits. You're not worthy of them. But but I can believe that because for example, I had um blueberries here, like a little little box of blueberries. It was like five dollars. Yeah. And yeah. they weren't from Japan, they're from Mexico. And I thought, wow, these are like some of the best blueberries I ever had. Yeah, but if I, when I go to Canada and I eat blueberries from Mexico, I feel They're like bruised. Yeah, it's not as good. Um, yeah, tell tell them about the peach that we had in Japan. Oh yeah, we went to Kyoto and this woman, I don't know how to say it, scammed us into buying this like ten dollar peach. It was just a normal size peach. She like came up with some long story about how she has a son who she needs to get through school. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. So she told me, oh, my son's in university. I'm helping pay for his oh. tuition. It's really tough. You know, you got to buy this peach from me. Can you pay 12 instead of 10? <laughs> <laughs> so we bought this like $12 peach. Yeah. And she's like, you can eat it right now. And she like drags me off to the back room of the storage. Oh, yes. and hands me a knife yeah. and is like, go ahead and cut it. And I was like, what is going on? And as you were, as this was happening, me and our other friend Mandy, we were just like watching from the sidelines because you, you and that lady were basically talking after you gave her the money and we were like, What's yeah. happening? Is she telling us like how to eat it or like something yeah. specific? And she just takes you like to the back of the freaking <laughs> store that she owns. It's like 40, 50 meters away. I could barely see yeah. you because I was trying to I was trying to take a Snapchat of you of like this old lady took my friend Jason away <laughs> to cut fruit. I'm Where's so confused. Going? Yeah, exactly. But I have to say that was the best peach that I've ever had in my life. Yeah, that was a good peach. Yeah. Might have been the best. How about produce in general in, in Japan? Produce in general is highest quality imaginable. Like mm -hmm. zucchinis at the store are individually wrapped, have no bruises on them. Yay, Peppers plastic. are immaculate. Yeah, there's tons of waste. Everything's wrapped. Yeah. Um, but pretty much everything is as, as fresh as you can imagine. Yeah. But obviously insanely expensive. And so in Japan, um, buying groceries doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to save money at the same time i feel mm. whereas in canada the equation's very obvious that if you want to save money you buy yes. groceries and you cook yourself yeah. so i think on average you'll still save as you'll still save money by doing that in japan yeah but you won't save as much you might only save 10 or 20 percent rather than 40 or 50 percent of the cost yeah and in canada you can buy like a packet of drums chicken drumsticks for like i don't know eight dollars nine dollars and there's like a good 10 drumsticks in there it's it, it's a lot of meat and that the same goes for produce right and 
like you were saying, you save 40%. And I would venture to say it's often a lot higher. Like I remember cooking in Canada and if I if I bought in bulk. I think yeah, if you buy in bulk, you can save a eat, lot of money. I could eat like three dollars a meal pretty easily, or like four dollars a meal pretty easily. Whereas but with with meat? Yeah, with meat and like with okay. everything. And in Singapore, something it's a bit it's like a different dilemma compared to Tokyo in that food at a hawker center is so cheap that you're disincentivized from cooking. Yeah, so For the sure. produce in Singapore isn't extremely expensive by any means, but it, there, there is a markup just because everything's imported essentially. Yeah. So things are cheaper than Can- uh, sorry, things are more expensive than Canada, and when you pair it with, you can go to this hawker center and just get four dollars and fifty cents worth of good food, and that fills you up. You're a lot less incentivized to cook at home. Yeah, the equation is reversed. Yeah, it, um, if you factor in your time, um, mm. especially if you do not enjoy cooking, it's pretty yes. much illogical to cook in Singapore, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And then, yeah, hawker centers have pretty wide selections, too. Yeah. Like, there is kind of like a similar taste profile between everything. But I mean, it's it's Chinese food. And it's, <laughs> it's cheap. AKA, it's good and worth. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the food from the discount bin? Oh my gosh, it's on sale. <laughs> clearance, clearance. Yeah, it's marked stuff Jason does not want. <laughs> yes. Another thing I really like about living in Asia is, for one thing, just personal safety. Mm. Um, I wouldn't yep. necessarily even say like Toronto is not a dangerous city by any means, yeah. and certainly by North American standards, it's one of the safest cities on the mm. continent. Mm. But that being said, um, I think Tokyo and Singapore are probably, I would say, probably the two safest cities in the world to be Agreed. in. And as a result, it still feels almost, at least for me, like night and day in terms of how safe I feel. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's ever been a time in Tokyo where... I have felt like I was in danger or like someone could possibly harm me or be dangerous or anything like that ever mm-hmm. here. Why, why do you think that happens uh, in Tokyo or in Japan? Like, why is it so safe in Japan? Yeah. Um, There's a few reasons why. I think, one, just Japanese society is safe, a safe place to be. Yeah. Um, Like... Like there's a high level of trust that people place in each other. Um, people, people are very predictable in that sense too. Like they follow the rules, mm. and so there's a lot of predict predictability. I don't know. Like I, I don't want to just say culture because that's not a good answer. <laughs> people that, are just safer here. Okay, <laughs> they're just safer. They're born safer. They're not as shady as North Americans. They are sophisticated. I, but for example, when I walk around in Tokyo, um, I have a pocket in the back of my backpack that's just open there's no zipper or anything it says take my money okay i just i just keep my uh my second phone in there because it's easy to pull out and i don't want to carry it in my pocket yeah and yeah. i've never once had any thought about oh what if someone took it or is it going to take it in tokyo i just maybe it's yeah. sort of a na- naive of me mm-hmm. but i just assume it's safe and similarly if i'm at a cafe i have my laptop there and my phones 
I can just go to the washroom and I don't even really think about any risk of it being stolen. And similarly, yeah. you see people leave their wallets, their purses yeah, at their tables while they go look for something at a food court, go to the washroom, and they don't have any second thought about if that's dangerous. Whereas in North America, you're just asking for it to get stolen, I feel. Yeah. Um, and being in Japan that doesn't have a good credit card system, you end up carrying um, yeah. a lot of dollar bills, right? Have you ever been scared? Actually, there, there was this one time I was at a museum in a cafe, okay. like taking a break. And because I was on a trip, you sort of need cash because often to pay for hotels and stuff, if it's like a traditional hotel, they don't take credit card even still. so dumb. You're paying yeah. like $400 a night in cash. In cash, yeah. So I think I had maybe $600 in cash in my wallet. And I... I didn't know my way around the museum and I had to go to the washroom. So I left my wallet on the table and I thought, I thought the washroom would just be around the corner, but it ended up being like a two or three minute walk through the museum. Yeah. Yeah. And then as I was sitting there, sorry for that visual okay. in the washroom. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. I thought you had to sit down to like, think about how to get to the washroom or something. No, no, no. But I continue. Sitting there using the washroom. Okay. I like, I realized like, Oh shit, I left my wallet with like $600 of cash yeah. on the table in the cafe. And you can probably see the cash just from the design of my wallet. And I like did my business as fast as I could. And I kind of ran back to the cafe and I was like, oh, it's still there. But yeah. that was sort of like a like, you idiot, what are you doing? And if that was in North America, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. That would be my fault if it if it was gone, I would almost say. Yeah. It's just dumb that in Japan you have to carry around your week's worth of lodging in cash, just like there's chilling. a possibility, yeah. And not even possibility. I'd say like you you kind of need that to if you stay at old places. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, I don't know. In in Singapore, it's a bit different because people are um, whipped into line to follow the law. I would say. Ah, uh, yeah. Because there's a lot of regulations, rules. like yeah. The, yeah, rules. The most like the most famous one being you cannot chew gum in the entirety yep. of Singapore. Uh, yep. You can bring it in, but if you chew it or you sell it or you do anything with it, you get fined, and you're not gonna have a good time. And for more serious um, altercations, you c- get caned. caned. And so many people don't know what this means, and I didn't know what this means. But what they do is. They take off your pants. They make you yeah. go naked, spread yeah. eagle, and then they get <sighs> no. They literally okay. There's there. It's on the Wikipedia, but they get yeah. a man who's of like six foot good something. Fitness. Yeah, yes. they, it says the person has to be in good fitness, and I'm like, why are they saying that? <laughs> and they take a cane and they literally whack your like your ass as hard as they can. Yes, and they make sure you're awake and conscious uh, while it's happening. And if you're not if you're not conscious, a doctor will attend you, attend to you, and make sure you are, and that you can continue. And they'll just they'll just keep going. And it's resulted in people in Singapore like following the law really really well, an overall good way I would say. Like, cause, okay, I'm gonna say that Chinese people in general don't have great respect for their environments, as in. I did not say that. 
<laughs> As in, you I can do not endorse can, this message. <laughs> you can kind of see like some places in Chinatown or like in China, they might be neglected more than normal. Whereas places in Japan that are just as old, if not older, are kept in great condition for like hundreds of years. And I mean, I've always felt like, like for example, littering. People in Japan don't litter because they're told to care for their environment. People yeah. in Singapore don't litter because you'll be fined five thousand dollars if you litter. <laughs> yeah, and so like even though their innate nature is to litter and not care as much about the environment, the Singapore laws and regulations have made it so that you kind of have to follow the things. Yeah. And it even goes for simple things like it's illegal to not flush the toilet. Okay, I don't remember exactly, but <laughs> it is. It was, yeah. it was like one of those clickbaity YouTube videos on like. Yeah. 10 things you didn't think was illegal in Singapore and yeah you got to you got to follow the law and it's it's simple things like these that are like i 100% make sure that i'm always wearing a mask when i go outside during covid ah uh, yes cuz you will get fined and nobody will have a second thought yeah and then it. i think the second time you get fined as a uh, get deported. foreigner yeah i get my work pass uh revoked and yeah. deported to canada yeah and it's it's a great deterrent to to make me follow the rules. And so by by everything that I've talked about, Singapore is very safe. Nothing gets stolen. Everything is calm. No one is that shady because they don't want to be like seen by anyone. And there's a lot of whistleblowers in Singapore, I would yeah. say. Because you get whipped. Anyways. Yeah. All right. Next is something that you rant to me a lot about. I do. Do you want to start us off? Oh, it is about the uh, banking and financial services sector in Japan. Yeah. What's so bad about it? It is utter garbage. So what I often hear actually is, um, and I can see how this, like, how this is true, that mm -hmm. we're in, let's say, like the 1980s and 90s, I think Japan was probably considered like the most technologically advanced country in the world mm. and everything was super up-to-date and super modern um and similarly canada north america really caught up in the 2000s and technology came into finance and banking mm -hmm. and then today in the last decade it's really been china to just Ooh. skip over credit yeah. cards and all that and just skip right to QR codes and apps. Yeah. Let me boost my GDP. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Japan has in many ways stayed in, I'd say like the nineties of oh no. Banking. It is just a nightmare, an unimaginable nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um a few examples is when you make your bank account. Yep. I think this still holds true at many banks. You need to have a, I don't know how to describe it, a personalized seal. Yeah, a seal. That's that's correct. Like you need to have a stamp with your name on it and have it registered at the government. Oh, you have to have it registered. Okay, that makes sense, but it's a pain. I don't know. I don't know how they even associate that seal with you because if you have a <laughs> common a last QR name. Code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if you have a common last name there's like a million other people with your last name so i don't know why that seal would be unique to you and how they could ever mm -hmm. check but alas you need to bring a seal and you need to stamp your documents 
Um, yeah. And something which they've actually phased out in the past few years, you can still use it, but they're phasing it out, is... Fingerprints? Is that what you mean? I don't know. I don't, no, no, no. That's way too high tech. <laughs> what? How is that? High? <laughs> when you get your bank account, they give you a book. I don't know the word for it. Like a ledger. Oh, your, your bank book? Yeah, a bank book. Uh-huh. And when you go to ATMs, you can put your bank book in yeah. and it reads the amount of money you have. And it yeah. will, you take money out and it will reprint a line with how much yeah. money you now have on it. Yeah. And back in the day, they were like, check out this crazy invention I have. It oh, reads yes. books. My, it's my the best. Yes. And it's been that way for like 20 years. If not more. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, services are just very poor. Like if you want to invest in using Japanese brokerages, they all look like they were designed in the 90s, the websites. Oh, yeah. The fees are like exorbitant, like 20 to dollars plus a trade. Yeah. For just like a simple trade. Um, it's very hard to get a credit card in Japan. Okay. I have applied, I think like six times now for credit cards. I've just given up at this point. And you're a citizen, which is like, super which makes surprising. no sense. So I've, I've just managed to get a debit card, which can be used with visa payments. So it's no more issue. Yeah. But essentially I don't have a credit card. I cannot spend money. That's not mine. Mm-hmm. And so... For one thing, that just sucks because if you come here and you say you want to start a business, if you can't yeah. have credit, how do you start a business? You how can't do you, make investments. How do you get credit to even like get a mortgage or like get a car loan or anything really? Well, that that's that's like like anywhere else. You apply for it and there's a process like you know put it on a credit card and then six times later they maybe approve <laughs> you. Six, six applications <laughs> later. Yeah. Yeah. And just like two more things I can think off top of my head is baking hours are garbage. Banks open oh. at 9 a.m. and they close at 3 p.m. <laughs> 3 p.m.? 3 p.m. they close. So good luck going after work. And they're closed on weekends. That actually sounds so stupid. Apparently oh it's because they need to write in a book manually of like all the transactions processed that day. <laughs> Starting at 3 p.m. till closing. Sounds like Japan. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing which happened most recently was I opened a, tried to open a bank account with a, I guess like a specialized bank here for foreign mm-hmm. currency. Mm-hmm. And the bank is known for being an English bank. Like they, they offer services in English, which is quite rare in Japan. Yeah. And I applied and they rejected me because I used an English form to apply. And they said... <laughs> Because you're Japanese, you need to use the Japanese form. And I'm like, why? <laughs> that just sounds like such a backwards that, process. That makes like, no sense. The person it's who the made form. that rule, like, why? Why? It's the uh, same form. It's the exact same questions. Yeah. I have no idea. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. And even transferring money is just hard in Japan as well. Right, like you oh, need to send oh, over. Oh yeah, like, like online banking is almost non-existent. It's very rare to find. <laughs> so most crazy. of the time, you need to go to the ATM physically. The ATMs closed. The ATMs <laughs> closed. The ATMs <laughs> closed. You cannot use an ATM after eleven p.m. They close. Oh wow. Some of them just close on weekends, so you can't <laughs> use them on weekends. <laughs> that is and so dumb. Yeah, you need to transfer the money and there's a big cost to transfer money. Like yeah. 
for five dollars like you might as well just withdraw the money in cash take the transit to go to the person and just hand it to them at their you, house that's or actually cheaper that's a cheaper option if you exclude your time man that is so dumb yes and on the opposite end you have glorious <laughs> singapore where banking is such a big industry that um yeah banking is just so easy in singapore uh you have and and the banks do well as well so decent interest rates that kind of thing but what blew my mind was i moved to singapore i needed to pay uh one month's deposit and then my first month rent and also like some fees for the real estate uh agent like signing stuff and my my um my first month's salary hadn't been paid out yet and so i asked my, my brother i was like hey can you like send over x amount and let's just say it's a few thousand dollars he's like sure what's your bank account number and i just gave it to him and literally in less than five minutes i saw it appear on my account and i was like wait what how how did you do that because in canada we i think there are limits of up to e-transfer yeah e-transfer um, one thousand or two thousand yeah, around thousand two thousand dollars yeah but like much lower than a few thousand dollars and yeah. like it just came instantly in my bank account and i was like is it in transit do i have to wait four days for this to process and then yeah, i can use, use it? it and my brother was like no you just you just use it like normal it's it's in your bank account and i was like oh my this is mind-blowing hey, this is a money launderer's dream yeah because in toronto to, to link two bank accounts together it's not impossible but you have to put in your um your, you have a your, process yeah your banking number into the the other service and then the f- second service sends two or three cents like between yeah, as a one to test. five cents to test and then you have to tell the first bank how much got inputted so that you can verify and then afterwards you can transfer b- back and forth but it takes two or three business days yeah, to, to yeah, move to and in between your money just like disappears basically it's it's in thin air yeah, yeah. and it hasn't arrived in your other account yet so you're kind of like anxious about where it went yeah but meanwhile like singapore has things pretty pretty awesome i gotta say yeah. um i mean singapore's bread and butter has always been well, like two things like logistics yeah of all the freight moving through southeast asia yeah. from china and india mm-hmm. around the world and financial services so yeah and like i i just have to say my banking experience has just been really good um mm. opening an account wasn't wasn't impossible it was more or less what i expected like i brought a bunch of documents um it took like a day and a half for everything to set up or like one day and it was fine um i applied for some credit cards with zero credit i just told them that i had a job and how much i made (laughs) and they're like here you go didn't work for me (laughs) you don't need six applications here you go (laughs) and yeah it's overall just been a good experience Ah, expat friendly countries yeah Okay, next, let's talk about the weather in our countries. So, Alex, what do you love the most about the weather in Singapore? Dude, nothing. I literally love nothing about the weather in Singapore. Nothing? It's it's perpetually hot. It's perpetually sunny. It's beautiful. It's tropical. It's literally tropical. You love sweating that badly? Um, I like hot weather, personally. You like hot weather? I'm a big fan of hot weather. Summer is the best season. 
I oh, I, I got to disagree with you on summer is the best season. Fall is the-, is the best season. No. You get to wear jeans. You get to no. wear like some long sleeves, some sweaters. No, shorts, please. And as someone that likes fall, Singapore is hell. Quite literally. You- <laughs> it's fiery. It's hot. You know, you can never run away from the sun because the the singapore is like two degrees off from the equator of the earth and so it's just always hot yeah the the um the weather fluctuates like two degrees throughout <laughs> the entire year between 28 and 30 or something and the humidity is always between 70 and 100 percent amazing yearly. oh my gosh it's it, well, like something you complain a lot about is that when you were in singapore everything got moldy because it's always yeah, if you if you leave humid. stuff in the closet and if your room is not dehumidified at all, it will mold. Yeah. Your like, clothes will mold. Okay, I'm not calling out my brother, but I guess I am. But I I um <laughs> I lent him a pair of headphones at his place <gasps> and his living room doesn't have oh. AC. Oh no. And guess what showed up on my headphones? Green fuzz. Mold. And no. yeah, I don't know. It's it's I'm so afraid to open my windows and open my like balcony door because it's just so shut. hot outside. Yeah. Um, I've gotten used to it. I would say like I keep the AC not as strong as I did when I first moved to Singapore. Yeah. But still, man, it's just so hot. Like in the in the public housing, there are posters on like, oh yeah, save electricity, turn your Set air it. conditioning on above twenty seven. I'm like, yeah, I've seen that. Above twenty seven. What do you <laughs> what mean? What is the point? <laughs> Just like sit in your sweat might as well, right? Um, That is my rant about Singapore. I mean, if you like hot places, Singapore is amazing. It's always hot. But then the lack of seasons, like... I think that that would really start to affect me after after the amount of time it takes for where you should notice a change in seasons when you suddenly don't. Yeah. Is when I think you'd start to be like, okay, this is getting a bit much. The... Like the point that I can make is I came back from Canada uh, early March and the weather has been the exact same since early March. It didn't get warmer. Summer didn't come. It didn't get colder and fall didn't come. It's always been summer. <laughs> and like, Where I don't am know, I? it's just this hell that I can't run away from. Yeah. You don't like the hot weather though? I, I don't. I mean, I don't oh. like sweating that much. Right, I enjoy it. Oh, it's and it I makes prefer it, sweating to being freezing cold. Okay, any day. Uh, I think the, I hate the cold. What I would like to say is that walking from one place to another is so much more difficult in Singapore because it's like, oh yeah, it's only a ten minute walk. Yeah, yeah guess we what? don't want to walk for ten your minutes. Your entire shirt is going to be soaked by the time <laughs> yeah. you arrive, yeah, and you then you're going to be like sweaty. You're going to want a cold drink. Yeah, five minutes in, and yeah, it's not like compared to in Toronto. Like, oh yeah, we're eating at this Korean restaurant. The karaoke place is a ten minute walk away. It's like, sure, yeah, it's it's like ten degrees outside. Yeah, it's I mean, bundle up. I mean, zip up your zipper, but Ugh. it's fine. It's doable. You're not gonna like hate yourself while you walk over. Ugh. I think I would. Yeah. How about Japan? How about Tokyo? The weather in Japan, I would say that the f- spring is the nicest time of year for sure, mm-hmm. particularly April and May. Um, yeah, it's just like very nice, like 20, 25, not oh. humid, 
That's nice so nice. flowers, the sakura. Yeah. In April. Summer is hell, like a burning hell. It's um, even more of a hell than Singapore. It's even more of a hell than Singapore. Luckily, almost in some good sense this way, like this year I didn't need to go outside much because I'm just indoors yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I think I really missed out on a lot of the misery, but mm. it it becomes like 40 degrees and just I deadly. I would like to say that, you know, having a really bad season makes you appreciate all the other seasons more. Partially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so now that it's that. cooled down again, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that it's cooled down again and it's becoming fall, um, like this, I think actually fall might be the time of year in which Japan is just the most superior to Canada. Because oh, my feeling okay. my feeling in Canada is it just drops. Like one day it's la la la, it's 25, yeah. I'm here in shorts. The next day, bam, it's like 10 degrees. Yeah. And it starts like frosting at night. And then next it's like negative 10. It's like, well, yeah. winter's here. Oh, that was fast. That was like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like here it is early October and it is still a comfortable like 25 out every day. Mm. But it's like not as much humidity. It's getting nice again. Mm. and then winter in japan at least on the tokyo side of the country um it's actually like for one i don't like winter so like i'm not going to say it's enjoyable but it's surprisingly nice in that the weather or the sky is always clear in japan in the winter yeah so the temperature is probably around 10 degrees Mm. and at night it might go to like five or zero yeah um, but what I like the most about it is one, there's no snow. It but might that's... snow like <sighs> once a year. So you still get that. Oh, like it's so pretty. There's snow on the trees. Yeah. Kind of feeling, but it doesn't stick around. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I think like I just said, like the sky is nice and clear in mm. Japan. There's a lot of sunlight. It makes it feel a bit warmer too during the winter yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's quite, it's actually quite enjoyable to walk outside on those sunny days mm. um you don't get many of those like overcast just gray miserable days those come in like the rainy season here oh, okay which is probably one of the worst times of the year i just want to point out how many seasons you got to talk about four can you hear, can you hear the salt of my voice uh, fall <laughs> yeah winter spring. i mean so so in Summer. toronto like you hated winter the most oh, I, I, I always hated winter since growing up as a kid yeah i I, hate the winter (laughs) i I have a different take i don't hate winter i hate when it becomes spring Uh, because everything turns to slush oh that's also the worst that's also a part of winter i hate i mean the cold weather like the once in a while negative 30s with wind chill i can i can manage just it's the worst just don't go outside that night and then you're (sighs) fine um but the slush Man, the, the slush, slush gets everywhere. And the salty slush. Oh, your socks oh. get wet. Your shoes get ruined. Your car yeah. gets rusted. Oh, man, the car. Oh, not You the literally car. can't keep your car clean. No, it you just give so up sad. for those months. Yeah. And, oh, I hate the winter. Yeah. But it, like, it's not bad. It, it's, no, it's, it's like the, the worst highest. Thing ever. Well, the summers in Toronto are pretty mild. Now that I the think the summers back. are actually yeah like the I would say like July August in Toronto yeah. is like I don't know September or October here yeah so quite I'm enjoyable just, I'm just gonna Google Toronto weather in the summer 
Because I feel like I would quite enjoy. So it's about high of 26, low of 18. Man, yeah, that's that about what so it is nice. right now. Here. I gotta say, as you long as that. the humidity is less than like <laughs> 70%, 26 sounds amazing. It actually doesn't get to 26 that often in Singapore. No, it's always 28 or 30. Yeah, it always feels like 30 to 35, like yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah, and what's funny is I started running during uh, COVID, right? And so yeah. running in this Singapore weather... Oh, that's miserable. It's miserable, oh. but I feel invincible now. I feel like I could I could like run a 5K in the middle of a desert and be like, yeah. this is nothing. Put me in the Sahara. You don't know how bad I had it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, I think I'm pretty used to hot weather, but I still don't, I still don't enjoy it. It's oh. not that fun. I would take it any day over the winter. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, I would start to miss seasons. Seasons are nice. Yeah. And so with that, we... I guess we have to talk about the locations of where we are, right? So Singapore being in Southeast Asia, there's a lot of places to travel to. A lot of places that I didn't consider when the only place in Asia I would visit was Hong Kong. You know, mm. like I, when I was living in Toronto, I only thought about the East Asian countries like Korea, Japan, Hong Kong, China, that kind of thing. Mm. There's so many different countries that I get to visit and I think, that's, I think that's about. like one of the main perks of living in Singapore. Yeah. It's close to Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand, yeah. Hong Kong. Yeah. Indonesia, if anyone wants to go there. Yeah. Sorry and to our one Indonesian listener. <laughs> oh my gosh. There, there is one. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, that's, that's the appeal of living in Singapore in general, that you, yeah. you're kind of expected to go to different countries once a month or once every two yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what you would do. Yeah. And it's made people even more salty about COVID because it's like, <laughs> I'm stuck I on this here? little island. Yeah. I mean, like, you get to go to different places in Japan. I'm I'm yeah. stuck here in this like 40 kilometer by 30 kilometer square. Yeah, that is okay, so not square, sad. But rectangle. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not fun. And people are like, companies are trying to get people to take days off and do like, yeah, what do you do with this vacation? I actually saw on Instagram, um, someone went to MBS, so Marina Bay Sands. Yeah, yeah. During so I know some people have gone to MBS. And, or Sentosa. Yeah, and Sentosa. I mean, it's nice, but you can just go there for a day trip. and Yeah, you can literally just walk there and walk home. Yeah, <laughs> a few minutes. and like the hotels cost so much. Yeah. MBS starts at like $400 per night yeah. or something yeah, yeah. crazy like that. Yeah, you don't... You, it's about the experience. I guess so, but... I know everyone in Singapore would much rather go somewhere else in yeah. Southeast Asia and yeah. stay in. So you got to travel like around Japan in these past few months. Yeah, I've been traveling around Japan, but I think like if I had the freedom to go wherever I want, I probably would mm -hmm. rather go overseas a lot more just mm -hmm. being around here. Yeah. Um, not that it's like particularly close to these other countries or at least as a Southeast South. East Asian countries. Mm -hmm. um, but for one thing, like traveling domestically in Japan is like ridiculously expensive. The trains. Wait, what? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you want to go to Kyoto, it's probably like $200 each way. I don't remember paying that much money, but you're probably right. I got to say. Let me, let me just confirm this fact check. Fact yeah. check. 
I mean, I do um, realize that the bullet yeah. trains are a bit more expensive than I thought. They're very expensive. Yeah. People, I mean, like business people have to like um, use that use that as commute sometimes. And the companies would often pay up to say five hundred dollars a month on your um, transit pass in Japan. So Damn. that's quite realistic to take a bullet train to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing it here. It's almost two hundred dollars each way. Wow. And I remember seeing at one point, this is obviously when the world was still open, mm-hmm. but it was cheaper to fly from Tokyo to Bangkok round <laughs> trip than it was to go to Kyoto and back. Wait. Just, yeah. Can you preface this with, are these the seats from Tokyo to Kyoto where you will get a seat no matter what on the Shinkansen? Well, I mean, the difference isn't that much. Oh, it's not? No, it's oh. like five ten dollars Oh, okay. Never mind then. But yeah, it's it's quite expensive to travel around here. Mm. And at least for me personally, I would like to experience some other countries. I wonder, because Japan is big, but I can't imagine the cuisine or anything being that different. Like, yes, there are mountains, but there are mountains over most of Japan. You know what I mean? Yeah. The country really prides itself, I think, on having a lot of local um, uniqueness and specialties. Like, oh, you can only find this type of noodles, this dish in this region mm. of the country. And well, like, I think that's true. And it does add a bit of a a nice uniqueness to travel around the country. Oh, if yeah. I go two provinces over, they're famous for this dish, yeah. which I can't get in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And I can't necessarily say that in Canada. Like if I travel from Toronto to Kingston, oh, this is Kingston oh, specialty. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It goes that's down. Just- <laughs> A prison. <laughs> oh my that just, gosh. That just yeah. doesn't exist. Um, yeah. But obviously at the same time, like those flavor profiles are going to be Japanese at the end of the day. And so it's unique and it's nice, but it's not like mind blowing. It's a different cuisine. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I travel around Southeast Asia, um, I'm kind of spoiled in the fact that I'm from Singapore and I've tried a lot of the Southeast Asian cuisines in Singapore instead of in their native countries. Yeah. And it's kind of safer to just try it in Singapore because... From the food quality standpoint? Yeah, like food safety, that kind of thing. I mean, um, a lot of things you can find in Singapore around Southeast Asia. Vietnam, Thailand, ton of stuff from Malaysia, a bunch of stuff from Indonesia because there's a large foreigner community and people immigrate to Singapore all the time. And so you end up having very native cuisines like, I don't know, Mirabus. Actually, I'm not going to say anything because I don't know where anything is from in Singapore. <laughs> but I, I travel to Malaysia and I see like, oh yeah, there's chicken rice, there's this, there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about the same. Okay, wait. I, I'm going to get flamed for saying it's the same, but the there's the same I don't dishes. Know. My experience has been that a lot of food was better in Malaysia uh, okay. than Singapore. Okay. okay. Sorry, Singapore. I'm not. I'm not going to say anything. It's authentic. They they keep the grease in there, you know. Ooh, yeah. There's no uh, regulations. Oh my gosh. They throw in some bubble gum in the middle mm. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure the wok is well seasoned with uh, old food, old oil. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, like uh, going around Southeast Asia to visit different countries is so nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And.
And that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Jason and Alex Far From Away Home, something like that podcast. You can listen to us on all the streaming platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcast. Bye. See ya. Thank you.